Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. All hit radio. Welcome to the X-Zone. A place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And good evening and welcome back to the X-Zone, everyone. I am Rob McConnell. And uh, we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, very simple, exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. And if you'd like to visit uh, the broadcast uh, schedule for the Exxon Radio Show, as well as many other of the great shows that we have on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. Exxon Nation, if you have any children who would like to send an email to Santa Claus, our sister station, cbrtv.net, has a great Christmas page all done. 724 Christmas carols. Kids can download Christmas coloring books, Christmas um, caroling lyrics. They can download a copy of a Charles Dickens A Christmas Carol and much more. This is our way of trying to put the spirit back into Christmas during these very trying times. Once again, that website is www.cbrt. Whoops, hold on here. www.cbrtv.net. Wow, all these numbers and alphabets. You swear that we make alphabet soup over here, but we really don't. We do great radio because we have great guests here on the show, just like my guest this hour, Coyote Chris, is with us, and he is a shaman. Uh, shaman, uh, shamanic practitioner, paranormal investigator who began his spiritual journey over 25 years ago and has since worked uh, to help others to bring harmony into their lives and to uncover the spiritual gifts that each person possesses. Coyote Chris is a member of the Red Cedar Circle of Southwest Illinois that follows the C.C. Weiss Medicine. Is that how you say it, Chris? Sasiwis, yeah, you get you you closer than most people. Yeah. Oh, okay, thank you. Sasiwis medicine traditions of the Pacific Northwest Coast, as shared by Johnny Moses. Um, and how do you pronounce that name? And that, that's his uh, his medicine name is Wastimini. It means walking medicine robe. Oh, gotcha. And um, he Chris has received teachings in other shamanic traditions, including the Lakota medicine path. Joining me now from his home in Illinois. Is our guest this hour, Coyote Chris. And Coyote Chris, welcome back to the Exxon. Great having you with us again. Oh, Rob, it's great to be back. I always, always love talking to you. It's always a good time. Thank you, my friend. Um, can you share with our listeners who may not have heard you before since we've uh, kind of done a little bit of a growth spurt here ourselves, uh, about you, about what a shaman is, and where you see a shaman's place in today's society? Mm, that's good. Um yeah, twenty. I had probably about twenty six years ago. I my wife took me to a powwow. You get the you get the creation myth here, the creation story, um, and I had no experience with these types of things. Mm-hmm. And um, so we went because she enjoyed that kind of stuff. And so I wandered off into this barn where they had a different dance going on, and it was a warrior's dance. And 
uh, during that, I was kind of had that what the Buddhists call Satori or a, a spiritual flash that all of a sudden I realized there's a different world just besides ours and that there's like a spirit world or whatever you want to call it that we kind of coexist with at times. And so that started me on my path. Um, so as far as the shamanism, I learned Lakota tradition first, which is the Sioux and uh, you know, the South Dakota area, the Plains areas there. And um then I, when I, uh, then I got into the Sasiwas Medicine Circle, and that, that, so that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years or so. Um, a shaman is somebody who communes with the spirits in many different ways, but the, the goal is to learn from the spirits, learn from the spirit world, learn from your spirit animals, from the elemental beings, things that mm-hmm. you can use to help people of your group or just, just people in general help. I mean, in the old, you know, in the, in the traditional ways, you know, it's the shaman was the, the person, the intercessor between uh, the spirit world and the rest of the tribe or the rest of the clan. And their job was to prescribe, you know, plant medicine. It just depends. I mean, it dip, what their role was within a tribe. And so um, that's been traditionally how that works is they're like in between that they mm-hmm. did the ceremonies and things like that. Um, today, I mean, the way I do it is, um, when I journey or spirit travel, I do it with drums, um, drumming, and then that allows me to, and this is kind of hard to explain, but in a way you're part of your, part of your body, your soul goes to a different place and there you'll meet whomever you're supposed to meet, whether it's one of your spirit guides, an animal might come up and start talking to you about certain things and, um, or anything else, um, and so and then my job is to take what I've learned there and bring it back either to help with a single person who was having problems or with um, a group of people. Um, a lot of times what I do, too, is, but, you know, is, is, I'm going to also deal with energy, spirit energies mm-hmm. and energy with people. When you're doing healing work, you're cleansing the energy of another person and bringing um, spiritual energy into them, um, like bringing a white light of spirit down to, the, down to help heal them. Um, so there's many different things, you know, shaman does. I mean, divination, you know, the psychic work and things like that. I do that. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's just so multifaceted to me. Um, now, in this society, that's a, that's a really interesting point. Most people don't bring that up. I'm glad you did because our society does not exactly, you know, if, I mean, usually ignores it, doesn't usually embrace it, and certainly doesn't much encourage it. Um, but there are many people who have these abilities mm-hmm. and they don't have anybody to to help them with that i did most of the people i work with are people who have some type of spiritual gift and they need somebody to help get them started but how and would somebody that's a good you brought up an excellent point and i'm sorry for cutting in here but that's okay how would a person know that what they're experiencing is real when and this is their this is their gift that is coming through to them that's the tough part now they they have inklings um and a lot of times people show up to talk to me and they uh-huh. don't know why they are. Um, and they do. We sit down and all of a sudden it, it comes to me. This is why they're talking to me. I said, I'll ask them questions. I, do you feel this? Can you feel other people's feelings? Can you do the? And they'll say, well, yeah, you know. And I said, okay, well, you know, you're empathic. Or right. it depends what they like. When I'm around people, people calm down. And they, you know, okay, so you've got that healing kind of energy. Um, and people just, you know, they're not sure where to go but sometimes a lot of times they end up you know people like me or you know i've got friends who also do similar work and they just show up because they're supposed to it's like spirit guides them somehow it's like spirit guided me to that powwow and and it led me into that barn where they were doing a warrior's dance it just seems to happen that way i wish i could give you a proper explanation i mean i certainly you know i have websites and things sure. like that and i'm not unknown but people just tend they, some, they see something interests them. They, they see you and they say, that person's got something for me. And they come and sit down and talk or get a reading or come to, I, I mm-hmm. run a circle every month um, of just, it's called Coyote Chris's Crazy Chaotic Spiritual Circle. And where there's no rules, we just talk about spiritual stuff and just have a good time. And people get drawn to that. And they've learned from other people and from me who are in the group that, yeah, this is natural. This is an okay thing to have. Um, you know, you get work with a lot of people who, you know, their parents told them they're nuts because they, they saw something or mm-hmm. they felt something or something, they've heard something talking to them. Um, many times that's just a part of their gift. I mean, it's like it can't be schizophrenia too, but usually you can draw a delineation there. Sure. They're otherwise, they're pretty well-rounded. Um, but Chris, let me, let me ask you here. What 
prior to going to the powwow that you talked about, had you mm-hmm. any any interest in shamanism or in spirituality? No, um, not. I was raised a Unitarian, mm-hmm. um, and that's more philosophical than anything else. Um, certainly not religious. Um, they're more. Um, oh. What's, what's, what's the proper term for it? Um, humanist, yeah, they're, they're secular humanists. Mm-hmm. And so it's more like the good deeds of man, you know. It's not about right. God or spirit or anything like that. It's about, you know, being a, the best person you can be, which isn't, it's not bad stuff. Um, but I had no inkling about these things. I, you know, this is before, um, this happened before any of this, the big thing came with Dances with Wolves and stuff mm-hmm. like that came out. So I didn't really know anything about it. And I didn't know, I mean, I knew about the Native Americans and all the bad things that happened. I knew the historical perspective. Right. And had always known that they'd gotten a raw deal. But um, as far as the religious, spiritual aspects, I was, you know, I was agnostic. I was very scientific in my thoughts and whatnot. Well, I mean, when you, were, when you were in church, when you were a Unitarian, did you feel as if there was something missing in your life? Was there a hole? I did. Yeah. Yes, I did, but I didn't know what it was. Right. Um, actually, I first felt that when I was nine years old. Um, our teacher was reading us The Hobbit, and we were, I guess I was in third grade then, third or fourth grade, and and they, she got to the part where they first introduced Gandalf, okay, mm-hmm. the wizard, and I felt this, tr- I mean, I can still, I mean, I remember the day John F. Kennedy was shot and killed. Yeah. I remember exactly where I was, and I had the same feeling when this happened, I didn't know why I had that feeling, but I did. And so that was, you know, it left its mark for a while, then it fades. But I always, you know, always kind of liked wizards and things like that. And so, so maybe that's probably where the seed got planted. But then mm-hmm. when I'm 20, I go see Star Wars. Okay. Right. And there's that part where Luke and Obi-Wan are in Obi-Wan's hut there. And they're talking about these things, and, and um, Obi-Wan looks at Luke, and he goes, I do my best Alec Guinness here, but, you know, you must learn the ways of the false if you're coming with me to Alderaan. And right there, boom, the same trill goes right down my back. And again, I'm not sure. You know, Spirit's trying to tell me something here, but mm-hmm. I'm not quite taking the bait. And so 15 years later, well, 13, yeah, 12, 13 years later, I um, I show up at this powwow, and um then it finally got me, finally hooked me then. So, yeah, but there was always something. I knew something was wrong. What did and you feel? I, mean, what I had problems with depression and things like yeah. that and um, that type of stuff, and it really helped with that. Chris, what was the feeling when you were partaking in that first powwow? Uh, did you realize that, that this is what, what it was that was missing in it your was, life? It was exhilarating. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was like um, you know, you have a cup, and this is this is not the best analogy for what I'm trying to describe. But it's kind of, I think people in their conversation. You know, you you have a few, a few drinks, and you get kind of that half buzz feeling. It was kind of like that, but it was more pure. It was like almost like I could reach into this. Like my one foot was in this world, and one foot was in this other world, and it scared the crap out of me. To be honest, at first, I mean, I was exhilarated, but I was scared because I had never experienced anything like this in my life. Hmm. And so what I did is I walked out of there after the song was over and I went and just, and I, I said, I got to figure this out. Yeah. I, what the hell's wrong with me? And so I'm looking at the, the Negelli's vendors and stuff. It was a huge powwow. I think it was a powwow national, actually. And that's a whole weird story in itself. Why it was, I lived in some little small county in, in eastern Illinois, and this biggest powwow in the United States is 20 miles from me. Wow. It's and it's I don't know to this day. I mean, I guess they found the right place that they wanted to be at, but it's like to me, it's like e. And so, um, so I was I always kind of wondered about that. But it was there three years later again too, so it wasn't that weird, I guess. But so I go out there and I look at these vendors, and so I always check out books. I got to read up on this, what's going on. So I and I had no idea what I was looking for. So I see, I'm looking, looking at some boom. I see his book, Black Elk Speaks. John Needhart, and that's a story about an interview that Needhart did in 1932 with a Sioux medicine man named Black Oak. And so, um, I just I know I mean I looked at it, I said, okay, this mm-hmm. you know something told me this is it, so this is it. So I read the book, and you know the Sioux way of ceremony and whatnot, I'm praying is with the pipe, the chinupa. And so I'm like, this is so cool now. When you start thinking these types of things, like, and it, you're really in sync, you're in sync with what's going on with yourself in the universe. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. it's like the door opens, and so I'm thinking to myself, 
wow, it would be really cool to sit down and smoke the pipe with some people. That'd be really neat. All right, we're going to have to have a cliffhanger here because I do have to take my break. Uh, oh, interesting yes. story. So we're good. we've got everybody on pins and needles here, pal. <laughs> Exo Nation, our guest this hour is Coyote Chris. And if you'd like to find out more about Coyote Chris, maybe contact him because you're feeling something moving within you listening to this radio interview around the world. His website is coyotechris.com. That's www.coyotechris.com. Dot com. And we'll both be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, let your little ones, friends, neighbors send letters to Santa Claus, and each letter is returned by Santa himself. Go to www.cbrtv.net. Welcome back, everyone. Coyote Chris is our special guest of this hour. www.coyotechris.com is his website. All right, Chris, uh, when we laughed last, when we last left, getting ready to go into the commercial break, you were telling us about the pipe. Right. So I read this book, mm-hmm. and it talks about <clears throat> the the way that the the Sioux pray and do ceremony with this pipe with the, this. Catlinite with the, the wooden stem pipe that they use, uh, mm-hmm. um, pipe stone. And so I'm just sitting around the house one day and I picked up this magazine out of Chicago. I was about an hour and 20 minutes from Chicago at that time, so it wasn't too bad of a drive. And so, I mean, this called the monthly aspect turning about this new age and mystical stuff going on in, in the city. And so I'm flipping through and it's got a list of events at certain places. So I'm looking at this one and it says pipe circle. I said, hmm. I wonder if I could go to this pipe circle. So I call up the number on there. I said, you know, I can I come to your pipe circle? And they said, sure, we'd love to have you. And then it starts. And so I go to this pipe circle, meet my first teacher. Um, and actually, I had a female teacher, which is not always the norm, but it was she was very good and got me going on that part of it. Um, but, you know, you, usually you go and you'll start with one person. I you know, Unless you found just the exact right person, I always encourage people to, to check out other things just so you can learn. I tell people who, you know, want to learn from me the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. go out and hear other people too. So I, uh, I met some other people <clears throat> that um, were, had known people on, from um, South Dakota, from the, the reservations up there. And so I went to this little conference in northwestern Illinois, and I met a guy named um, Eagle Man, Eddie McGuire. He was an author and who I'd read, and so got learned some cool stuff from him. And then the universe puts me in touch with this guy named Jim Gillahan. Jim was a, the actual keeper of Sitting Bull's actual pipe um, that had been passed down. And so Jim and I got to learn, got to know each other, and he was taught me. But in that point in time, I got to smoke Sitting Bull's pipe. Um, and so you just like the universe just keeps opening these really cool doors. And um, when when things are in sync and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. before all this started out, I was getting ready to take the law school entrance exam. Okay, I was going to go to law school. I was going to be a lawyer. And that, this is like, oh nope, that's not my path anymore. So much to the chagrin of my mother. Who always thought, always didn't, didn't much care for this Indian stuff, as she called it. <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, it's weird how that happens. And I mean, the folks listening out there, I know it sounds, uh, you know, not, not crazy, but this is, you know, and I'm, I can't say everybody's going to have the same type of experience I've had. But it's sure, a lot of things sure happens. You sure seem to meet people you're supposed to meet that are helpful to you. And the thing to do is, you know, it's, sometimes you're kind of reticent to speak to somebody like, like, me to Jim, right? But it's like you just kind of got throw it to the wind. And say, you know, if my heart tells me I need to speak to this person, I I go speak to him. And ninety nine percent of the time, they're like, yes, they're very open to 
to listening and answering your questions or even with Jim and I, Jim gave me teachings. I mean, mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's just, um, it's just how that, how that happens. Just a lot of cool stuff. Now, is this when your doorway to the paranormal opened? Yeah, that, that starts in 1998. Okay. Um, so I was, and I, I'm, I'm kind of glad it went this way, to be honest. Um, because I had, gotten a pretty firm base with my spiritual life before I got into the paranormal because that's what that's my total base now I mean everything I do is spiritually through my spiritual path through my shamanic path and so if I'm doing investigation or healing Mm -hmm. or whatever I'm doing it's all based out of the same thing so it's really given me a good strong base to work from I'm not bouncing back and forth and I have a tendency to be I'm an Aquarian, so I, I'm not really a, an astrologist, but I am kind of a space head, so um, <laughs> it, has, it has helped me. It has helped me to remain grounded somewhat during, during my times right. doing these things. Um, so what happened with that? And again, it's one of those weird things where my a friend of mine's son was in the um, the radio TV broadcasting program at the local community college. And his name was Jeff, and Jeff called me up one time, and you know he's like my he's like my nephew, you know we were his father and I are close, and he I've known him since he was a baby, and he goes, hey, you know, can you do a ghost hunt, you know, and we want to do an all night ghost hunt over the radio here at the college. I said, hmm, spirits, ghosts, spirits, ghost, energy, energy, yeah, why the hell not? Sure. So I just did it, and as this is before any of the ghost shows come up came out, I had no idea what I was doing. And I didn't know about Ed and Lorraine Newman, you know, Ed and Lorraine Warren and anybody or Hans Holes or any of those people. I was just wasn't that interested in it. I mean, just somebody just happened to ask me to do this because you were just getting off the pipe. I know, <laughs> uh-huh. I know it. <laughs> but no, there's no that there's pipe, there's tobacco in those pipes. Cool. <laughs> None of the other stuff. Mm. Yeah, I know. You know, I don't. Have, I don't have any problem with that sort of peyote or ayahuasca or anything like right. that. I just never. It's never been part of my medicine path, so I just never have done it. Um, not that I won't have a bourbon now and again, but that's a whole different story. That's hey, when I'm off. Good old Jack. <laughs> so, um, so Jeff says, you know, hey, would you come do it? And all I said, oh yeah, sure, why not? You know, we'll give it a uh-huh. try. I just made stuff up as I went along. And um, it actually went pretty well. I, this is the first time I ever do. I took my drum with me. So, and I do this to this day now, most places. This is where I first did it. So I, I played the drum, sang a couple songs, um, asked all the, the spirits of each direction to come guide us and that, that type of thing. And we did, we came across some really interesting stuff. Now, we didn't have any gadgets. Um, I guess somebody might have had a, a tape recorder, one of the EVPs, but. I just went solely on feel, and that's how I normally did anyway. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, this works fine for me. We found a couple of places, found out one place that we'd felt was hot, and we could feel, you know, some type of distraught spirit. There had been a place where the, a young woman had committed suicide, um, and so. But and then, you know, this is, I tell these kids, I said, now listen to me. If any of you are in any kind of feelings, if you don't feel good, or you know, you're feeling kind of shaky emotionally, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I'd be very careful doing something like that. I wouldn't do it. Sure enough, one kid gets freaked out because some spirit touched him. And um, but I, what I did is I just took some sage and made a circle and put him in there, and it worked. And he goes, it caught me. I mean, it's like a, you know, it's like a holy circle there, safe zone. And so um, it, that worked. And so it's like I'm just making this stuff up as I go along. But so that's what really got me into it um, was that. And then every once in a while I would do. I usually the paranormal stuff that I was doing back then. A lot to this day, I usually had to be in response to something bad happening or something that need you know house cleansings and keep you know making a house somewhat safe and calm the energy well, down and things like that how do you define the paranormal hmm i mean it's it's, it's such a if you take it literally i mean it's about anything mm-hmm. that's that's you know not on the normal curve um i see first thing i was ever interested in was ufos and i always consider that part of paranormal yeah. cryptology right right is part of the paranormal to me um, all that stuff. So, I mean, to describe it is there's so many different ways that people look at it. Yeah. Let, that, let me ask you, let me ask you this then, since you were talked about UFOs and cryptozoology, is mm-hmm. there a spiritual, um, aspect to UFOs and, or to, uh, Bigfoot, for example? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's supposedly Bigfoot sightings with, in, in conjunction with, um, UFO sightings. A lot of people, this is funny, I just got interviewed on a documentary called Big Muddy about this um, 
about this um, Bigfoot down in southern Illinois. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he talked about there's most of the Native American stories include the big man, Mm -hmm. uh, the Sasquatch or whatnot. And they saw them as spiritual, which is why they can, you know, be not be seen for real fast. They can some people think they jump realms, they, 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 they jump dimensions. I don't know. I can't be kind of hard to prove that but you know that's what the natives always thought that they were spiritual animals or some type of elemental creature which would um you know make a lot of sense if you know if if it were true because they can kind of pop in and out but 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 can we actually take a myth and put it into the today's world of reality it's difficult because you know there's usually a kernel of truth to some yeah. of those things. Some of those things are the stories to, to, to used to teach. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're stories Metaphors. to explain things they can't explain. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, kind of pick through that. Do I take that as the gospel? No, I, I find it interesting conjecture. Yes. Um, it's like Jacques Vallée, the French um, ufologist felt that the stories of the Fae and how they s- stole people and children over in Europe mm-hmm. were actually abductions by interdimensional beings. And so, I mean, there's all sorts of, and he was a pretty bright guy. Um, he was the model for, um, close encounters. Mr. L- yeah. For, yeah. For Claude in the comb. Mm. And so, um, he was very well thought of. I, I read some of his stuff and I'm like, Ooh, that's, that's interesting. But one, but once again, but once again, he, he based a lot of his work on conjecture. Yeah, definitely. You know, so, how, so where do we draw the line between reality and conjecture? You know, until you can totally measure what conjecture is, mm-hmm. it's hard to draw the line. You know, I mean, I understand there's certain there's a certain line scientifically you can go to. Yeah. Um, and I respect that. I really do. Because I love working with people who detect stuff because we just seem to work well together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just because we can't measure something does not mean it does not happen or exist. It's just we can't measure it yet. I truly believe that we're trying to solve a mystery with the knowledge and technology that we have today that doesn't apply to what we're looking for. No, it doesn't. No, no it doesn't. Now, I mean, now, you were talking about shaman before. Is there a difference between a shaman and a medicine man? No, they're pretty much the same. Oh, okay. um, some shamans and some medicine people have certain specialties. Um, in the Lakota, um, Pajuta... Um, Winana, Pajuta, Wachasha, a plant man or plant woman, they tend to do the herbs and the things, healing herbs and things like that. Um, but yeah, and some people specialize in certain types of medicine, like um, eagle medicine would give you certain healing healing prowesses. Bear medicine would give you certain healing prowesses. Or um, some of them were even warriors. I mean, you know, um, Crazy Horse was, was a shaman, was a medicine man. He's a warrior, so was Sitting Bull. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, it just depends. And there's so many different, you know, cultures that practice it. You know, in the United States, you have, what, 500 tribes? So you'd have 500, you know, some of them may be similar, but you have 500 different versions mm-hmm. of what a medicine man or a shaman is. Um, so, I, you know, if you really want to wrap your head around it, I always tell people to look at core shamanism first. Uh, Michael Harner's book, um, uh, was it uh, the shaman? I forgot the name of it, something called the shaman or something like that. Way of the shaman, that's it. That's a pretty good way to cut your teeth off. Then you can kind of explore the other stuff. Um, and I went backwards from that because that's that was my circumstances. So um, that's how I was supposed to learn. But yeah, I, there's just so many different ways. I mean, I've heard these stories about these guys from Siberia. One guy to get himself into that to that spiritual ecstasy where he could he could journey to the next dimension. Mm-hmm. He'd hit himself in the leg with an axe. And so you, you hear all kinds of crazy. I'm not going to do that. But um, that dude's, that dude's um, wherever he was, is pretty committed. But no, I don't do the axe thing. But yeah, it's just it just depends. That there's just so many different ways of practicing. Of, and it, every, it's unique because spirit gives you unique things to do. I mean, with me, my main job that I, as far as I can tell, and it's working pretty well, is to talk to as many people as I can about what about their okay. My tradition. Everybody has a gift from God, a gift from spirit. Our job is to, one, figure out what that gift is. And everybody's got one. Nobody's exempt. Mm-hmm. It may, one's, one looks really razzle-dazzle. One looks kind of mundane, but it's it's right thing for the right person. And 
your first job is to figure out what the issue. You have to spend a lot of time in meditation and think about it and feel. You learn to quit thinking and feel more because your brain will lie to you all the time. Because I had the worst time trying to believe that I could do these things. When I could do them, there was, there was no doubt about it. But it's like, you know, there's that doubt in your mind. And so you got to get over that. Um, but, yeah, it's um, – it's just it's difficult to to wrap your head around all the time, but mm-hmm. um, it's yeah. My job is basically to help people find their medicine, heal themselves. You got to heal yourself first, because I worked in social services for thirty years. Hey, Chris, it's that time again where I've got to take a break. Please stand by. Explanation, Chris uh, Coyote. Chris is our special guest this hour. For more information about Coyote, Chris. Visit his website at coyotechris.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Coyote Chris is our special guest this hour, www.coyotechris.com. Chris, is there a difference between a spirit and a ghost when you go out to do a paranormal investigation? Um, not normally. Um, spirits, as far as shamanism goes, I mean, you have, you have mm-hmm. like your, um, your spirit guides, which can be, oh gosh, I've, one of my spirit guides is my great-grandmother um, and other people who I've known who've gone to spirit so that's that's kind of different i mean i think there's there's vibrational differences probably if you want to get into the physics part of it um that they seem to come across differently to me but you know basically they're all energy so when i'm i'm as far as paranormal normal stuff goes it's generally there i i prefer the word spirit to ghost i guess that's why i use it but you know ghost is is synonymous it's the same thing so mostly it's ghosts now some of them are human ghosts i've also encountered um, spirits. Now, this is where I might say it's a little bit. I might say it's an elemental spirit. And it's not a ghost. It's not the the um, the dead form of some of a human. It's something entirely different. It was created um, in spirit, or you know, somehow. I'm not sure how the evolutionary process happens. But that's when you're talking about your um, you, you know your Bigfoots or your Pukwudgies, mm-hmm. which are the small um, cryptids or fairies and things like that. I've seen all sorts of things like that. And so those are different, but they will also be around paranormal activity as well. Like they come to see what's happening in, in my experience. Now, when you say you see yes. them, do you see them through your third eye or do you see them as an actual part of this reality? Both. I've seen both. Um, most of the time they appear as lights that you can see. Um, I was doing an investigation once in this place in Missouri, and um, it, it was an old, I mean, the, the, the second oldest house west, west of Mississippi sat on that land. And there was a string of cabins. We were going to each of these cabins and doing the ghost thing, and, mm-hmm. you know, with the the machines and the, the mediums were there and stuff. And everybody's having a good time. And um, so I, I kind of got kicked out of one cabin because the, the medium said I didn't, the ghost didn't like me, which does happen because I, I tend to help people. Um, if a ghost is being violent or rude or whatnot, I tend to get them to move on. So some ghosts don't like that. And so they don't, don't like being around me. So I walked outside mm-hmm. and um, I see these lights on the grass. I thought, oh, that's kind of neat. You know, it's, that's quite a, bit, quite a few fireflies. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. So wait a minute, it's the wrong color. You know, they're white. Well, it must be, I thought it was dew. And so I went down and touched the grass. 
and dry, dry as a bone. I said, well, what the hell is this? So I walked towards it and the lights retreat. Huh. I walked back and the lights came back. I could do that. I did it. Somebody else came out and did the same thing. Because oh, that's bull. I said, no, I go walk towards them, see what happens. Boom, there they went. Guy walked back here, they come back again. And um, one shadows or anything like that, it was just pure, you know, these lights are responding to us. And they were interested enough to come out and watch us, but didn't want us getting too close. And also about that time, I saw a big red um, um, orb going through the woods. And I thought it was a, a truck or something like that. It was, my, I thought there might, it was across a creek. I thought maybe there was a road over there. And I asked one of the locals about it. He goes, no, there's no road over there. We see that shit all the time. And mm. so, um, yeah, I mean, so that, you visibly see them. I've seen them in the darkness before. They're very different shaped. I mean, they're, right. they're like shadow people. I mean, they're differently shaped than humans. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't give you any trouble or anything like that. They, um, um, I mean, I think I was, did some drumming later that night, and they came back out again. We had the, the trees were rustling, and there was no wind and that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I've had a lot of experiences with that, with that type of thing. That's kind of more, I love investigating outside. I just love it to death. Chris, why, why, why the, the spirits of the land and, you know, the people that used to live there, the, you know, the ghosts of the people who used to live there. Uh -huh. And then you got, if you're in a, a really good energetic area, you get, you get the, um, the elementals too. So why do some spirits stay on this plane and others go to wherever they go next? I think it's choice, um, or, some sort of warped choice in some ways. I mean, just because you die doesn't mean, you, I don't think it means you shed every one of your problems. Mm -hmm. And I think some stay around because they have, un, you know, the old saying they have unfinished business or they just don't want to go. Um, I've had some, they're just, they're attached to where they're at. I mean, not literally, I mean, but they're just, they don't want to move on. They're, they're cool where they're at. And so I get that. You get people who are spirits who are troubled and, and they can be, you know, aggressive or um, that, you know, they're probably like that in life as well. I mean, as, as, as in life, so in death, that's where I've seen problems. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen some spirits be attracted to certain households where there's a lot of negative energy. Right. And they just, they'll come and feed on that. So it's basically, it's, I think it's a matter of choice for them. I don't think they, they have to go. Um, in hey. some native traditions, you have to walk the path, you know, make the journey to get out. And um, in our tradition, we don't speak the name of the dead for after, until a year is over with because we don't want to distract them from, from going where they need to go, back to the spirit world. And so, but yeah, I, you know, it's hard. And I always tell people, I don't know the rules. <laughs> I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, I can only, I can only, you know, like you said earlier about conjecture, I can only do that. And it's like, this is why I've experienced the feelings I've gotten from spirits. Um, a lot of native spirits, they're not, well, I'm not leaving my land. You know, so it's taken from me. I'm going to stay here. And okay. And they're perfectly all right. But they just, you know, they're not going to have it. And so they're not going to go back. How does you know? one's own religious philosophical beliefs, how does that affect their ability to understand the, the unseen? You know, I mean, some, you know, in more conservative types of religions, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, um, considered some people say it's like a sin to, to even to consort right. with these types of beings mm -hmm. that would kind of cloud your thinking um i am not particularly fond of the word demon and i don't use it yeah um and i think because if you i mean again you i however people want to believe religiously i'm cool with it as long as you don't hurt anybody else over it I'm, i don't mm -hmm. care you know i'm i got mine and if it, it brings you solace and comfort and helps you out i'm i'm all for it but I think once you start giving these connotations that um, something's a demon, then you give it extra power. Um, or the, 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 I've heard some of them say, I'm a demon. Like, no, you're not. You know, you're not a demon. I can feel it. I know you're not a demon. You know, they're just messing with you. Some of them. Now, there are some really, really powerful negative spirits. Sure, there are, I believe in that. Um, but, um, yeah, as far as the demon thing goes, I think the more open you are, the more, um, I mean, because that stuff doesn't scare me. Mm -hmm. You know, some people are, are, have it drilled in their heads through their youth that this stuff is scary, that um, you're not supposed to mess with these things and that type of, of, of stuff. And so I think that hinders some people in their beliefs. Um, now, I know some very fine Christian investigators that, that are they're cool with the whole thing. They understand the whole thing. I've seen other na like in the native tradition, some of them won't do it either. Um, in my tradition, I actually had to talk to my teacher about this because I do drum 
before events, a lot of times I'll do a drumming circle outside and talk to the spirits and things like that. Now, in my tradition, you don't go outside and practice after dark because there's things better left alone that travel at night. So I had to talk to him about it, and he said, well, you can if you do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. And so I had, but I had to make sure that, you know, I didn't want to, didn't want to um, get out too far out of bounds. I usually am kind of out of bounds anyway, but they seem tolerant of it. So let me ask you this. Why, why would these spirits or why would these travelers be more active at night than during the day? Uh, the belief is that the night gives power to those that live in the shadows. Is this part of a superstition? Is this part of a of a cultural belief, or is it fact? I don't know. I kind of see it as, in my experience, mm-hmm. I've seen things stronger outside at night, that's for sure. The fact that, that it's darker, does this sure. play on to the, onto the psyche? Yeah. Oh, if you're scared of the dark, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's you know, like I said, this I I'm I'm either very smart or very stupid. I'm not sure which, but I just doesn't. I can walk in by anywhere. It doesn't scare me. Right. Now we, we were at Hinsdale House, in New York, one time, and um, we were doing and, and the spirits responding very well and whatnot. And we got too far up towards this hill. We heard a growl. And normally I'm one of those people who say I don't care if you're growling or not. But I'm going to come in there. But this is not. Nope. This this whatever who's ever growling is right. We'll, We'll back off. We'll be nice. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's in my what I've seen elementally is it is much stronger at night, um, as are the spirits that, that stay outside. So, based on your experience and uh, the the communication that you've had with spirits, what happens to us at the time of death? My belief. Uh, it's hard to say. You know, I can't sit here and tell you this is exactly what happens because mm-hmm. I've never died. Um, although the spirits I've communed with, I use the word commune because sometimes I get words, sometimes I get feelings, um, is that it's all cool. It's all okay. Don't worry about it. Um, there's certain things we have to face. Yeah. And so I do believe, I mean, if you'd asked me this when I was 30, I'd say, well, that's it. You know, that's, you're done. It's your, your consciousness leaves and that's, it's, it goes to sleep with you. But now I, I kind of starting to believe, or I do believe that, that you do move on to a different, a different place. I am not a, I wasn't a huge fan of reincarnation, mm-hmm. but I have met people that I am in. Mean, I've seen them in visions and I see them in, in the flesh. And I think, Holy crap. I know this person. And we get to talk and it's like, yeah. And I know one person and I were very close in a past lifetime. And a lot of the, what happens come to my, has come into my head. You know, so I've seen it when I was, did my shamanic training and I've seen mm-hmm. it in journeys and I've seen it in, in, in dreams. And so, yeah, it's, um, I'm, so I'm like thinking, yeah, okay. I, you know, I think maybe I can fall in with this. And so, yeah, I think your, your consciousness goes to spirit. Now, what happens then? Now there's so many different ideas, you know, the Buddhist idea, you come back and you're, you're on there trying to mm-hmm. reach Nirvana and until you get it all right and you can go to nirvana um other people believe you have a life review then go back and you're you know you're just trying to perfect your soul um again there's there's just so many ways of looking at it i i I still think there's probably a choice involved um in the buddhists they talk about a bodhisattva who is somebody who can move on to nirvana Mm -hmm. but chooses not to instead chooses to come back and help other people get to that point would they be equated to, to uh, what we call angels probably not as in a way yes but not as you bodhisattvas aren't usually aware that there are bodhisattvas okay so they they, they know they're not going to remember they're going to go back anyway angels kind of know who they know who they are and so that's the difference i mean um and they're kind of they're not just regular dead people either Angels, I mean, according to the, the stories, that there are ascended beings of some sort that were created before before people were. So there's a whole different connotation to an angel, I think. Now, again, that might that might just been grandiose. It might be just they could be regular people just mm-hmm. come back that are good people and come back to help you. There, there's so much that is unknown yeah. when it comes to what we're talking about that it's. It's hard for a lot of people to wrap their heads around it because there are so many unanswered questions. And it is totally based on 
faith and your own beliefs. Oh. Are you all right there, Coyote Chris? Hello, Coyote Chris. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I'm sorry. We're going to take a commercial break. So, uh, we're going to take a commercial. We're going to take a commercial break, and uh, hopefully, Coyote Chris will be feeling better when we come back. Uh, I hear him breathing, so things are looking good. Things are looking yep, good. Yep. All right. Stand by, Chris. <laughs> we'll be that. right back. No problem, my friend. These things do happen. At Exonation, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, or the one and only Coyote Chris, visit his website, www.coyotechris.com. Dot com and we'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Back everyone, this is the Exxon. I'm Rob McConnell. Our guest this hour is Coyote Chris. And if you'd like to get more information about Coyote Chris, visit his website at www.coyotechris.com. Chris, can you share with us one of your most interesting stories from the shamanic work that you do? Yeah, um, I love telling this one story. Um, And actually, it involves me and a friend of mine. So it's and it's actually even parody with the paranormal. So it makes it even better story. So there's a, a place in Alton, Illinois, where I live, mm-hmm. um, called the McPike Mansion. It's uh, haunted. It's been up for several years. And every year they have a camp out, and usually at the camp outs, I come and help, and we do tours in the basement and whatnot, go in there and do uh, dark night sessions and sit in the circle and you know wait for the spirits to come out. And a friend of mine, Sandy Little Lizard. Um, really named Sandy Corba. <clears throat> she um, she and I were doing the tours that night. Now, there are some spirits in there. Most of the spirits are family if, if from the McPike family. There's a couple there that are, you know, sort of transients, but the cup, one of them is very um, dramatic and has all these awful, you know, feelings and things like that. Kind of a, if they're a human, they'd be called a borderline personality disorder, I'd imagine. And so... They, what they will do is they'll come up to um, unsuspecting <clears throat> people who are empaths and don't know it, meaning they can feel other people's feelings. And so we're, I'm at one end of the, of the cellar and Sandy's at the other end. And down by her, and we have the lights out, and the spirit lights are coming out. You know, the spirits come in sparkles and stuff, and the shapes, they're darker than dark, and everybody's enraptured and watching that. And uh, one a person next to Sandy started... Um, getting scared because she was feeling, oh, I feel so bad. I feel so, I feel like crying. And so Sandy, and so what we do when I do our mess, we get our energy up, energy of, of earth and sky. And we get that going and try to put the energy into that person to try to calm them down. And, you know, but the, cause this energy will heal not only just the body, but also help heal your mind as well. And so 
Sandy's working on her, calming her down because the spirit's been bothering her. So on my end, another lady starts, and she starts having problems. So I get mm-hmm. my energy up, my medicine going, and I'm putting energy into her, trying to get her calm, and she's, they're both starting to calm down. And all of a sudden, a lady who's in the middle of this whole thing said, I just saw a light flash. We're like, okay, cool, because that happens. So they'll pop in and out, you know, like a light flash like that. The spirits will. And so we went through, and everybody's calm. We finished up the session. We came outside, and this lady comes up to us, and she says, no, you understand. I can see things now that I couldn't see when I walked down that basement. She'd had um, several eye surgeries and problems with her eyes. She was starting to go blind, and she goes, yeah, I can – I can see, I, I can see stuff I couldn't see. We're just like, oh, wow, that's really neat that this happened to her, you know, and hopefully it was this gift, you know, we weren't sure if it was going to be a long gift or a short gift. You just never know. <clears throat> and so we're both, you know, we're all happy for her and everything. And she kept in touch with Sandy and Sandy would tell me, you know, she says this, she's still seeing really good. Well, the woman comes back the next year mm-hmm. and she tells us a story. She goes, she goes, I went to the doctor and the doctor looked at my file, looked at, Examined me, looked at my file, looked at, examined me, looked at my file again, said, this is the wrong file. She goes, this isn't you. She goes, that's my name. That's who I am. She goes, he goes, you have 20-20 vision. I can't even see where the, you know, where the scar tissue and stuff is. It was in there. It was gone. How do we explain that? She, <clears throat> I don't know. All I know is it wasn't even intended. Wow. We were helping two people on either side of this person, but it comes in. And this is what does happen. You, you call spirit in. Mm-hmm. You don't do. You don't tell it what to do. I'm just. I'm pointing at this one lady. It doesn't mean it's not going to go off and go someplace else. And the same with Sandy. Right. So both of those went into this lady, I guess. And I thought, you know, at, at first you think, well, you know, hopefully maybe just it's temporary. But no, the woman comes back a year later, and she has, she can see better than I can. Um. So Unreal. yeah, that was just one of the strangest things. It's like, but I can't. I know it's the lady swears on it that it's what happened. It happened at that point in time when Sandy and I were both doing our medicine work. Mm-hmm. And it's that's how it works sometimes is that not only did those two people that we were helping get healing, but mm-hmm. she got some too because she needed it. And it's, you know, as, when you work with the energies like this, you just get the heck out of the way and you let it. I just, I'm a vassal. I'm a, a hollow bone that allows the, the power of spirit to go through me and do whatever it wants to do. Chris, what is the significance um, of the drumming? The drumming, <clears throat> as far as its effect on the human mind, it it, it raises the beta wave. I forget, God, there's, a, there's actually a physiological thing happens to your brain. It makes you more receptive mm-hmm. to, it's more of a meditative state. It creates, it, it cuts down the chatter, the alpha waves, right. and brings up the other waves. And so you're you're not, you don't have the monkey mind going, you know, you're just, you're, you're being, you're able to be clear and also... In that meditative state, you can lash out and use that to go journeying to the other world to talk to the spirit animals and the spirit people. And um, but in a case with uh, in a, when you're doing healing work, it does the same thing. It gets that gets the person you're working on calm mm-hmm. and gets them thinking of healing. They're more receptive to healing because a lot of people try to consciously or unconsciously say you think it's not right and try to block it. This brings those levels down and those defenses down. You can get in there and, and let the energy get in there. When it comes to spirits, spirits seem to be attracted to the vibrations and noise, and they seem to enjoy it when I do that. Um, like in a, an investigation outside, they, they get really curious about it. And sometimes you'll see dark shape. We'll stand in a circle and a few feet apart from each other, and you can see dark shapes coming in and out. <clears throat> They're coming to check out to see what's going on, especially the native spirits. And so it kind of works twofold. I mean, if you're drumming and you're getting focused, you're much better able to investigate because you're more clear of mind and able to to actually take everything in because you miss things when you start thinking of your grocery list or, you know, where you're going to go at, where you're going to go have dinner or mm-hmm. have breakfast after the investigation. And you're, it clears your mind and makes you more open to things. And the spirits become more open because they seem to appreciate that you're trying to do something good for them. You're trying to make them feel comfortable. Chris, what is so one it of your it gets them going? What is one of your most favorite stories about the work that you do in the paranormal? Oh goodness, um, guys, there's a bunch of them. Oh, okay, I like this story. Um, that's, that's kind of a weird ending to a funny end for me. So, family, 
um, not too far from where I live, was having trouble with the spirit getting in the house. They couldn't figure out what it was. And so my son and I, my son helped me out sometimes. We went to their house, and it was kind of a funky-shaped house anyway. And they had mirrors in weird places. That, And some people believe that mirrors need to be placed in certain places. Otherwise, spirits can can get through them. I think that's possibly true. So, I mean, I, I tell them some things about the mirrors. And, um, yeah, you could feel something was up. And it was in a brand-new subdivision. And the lady told me, she goes, I think that when they built this, they came across some some native um, pits and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to stop and remediate them, but I don't think they did. And so that what it was, is that I, what I truly felt was that the spirits of the, the native spirits that were there were pissed because people come and bulldoze all their stuff up with no respect. Oh, yeah. It wasn't these people's fault, but they're, you know, and the spirits mm-hmm. weren't being that bad to them, but they're, they're, they were pretty pissy about the whole thing. And so what I had the lady do is um, I had her build a medicine wheel out in her backyard and again, and then I'm, and I go out there and I sit and I, I just feel and I just clear my mind, feel, and things come to me that I need to do, that I need them to do. So she builds a beautiful mess. It was beautiful. And I told them to take food out to them and um, every once in a while and just put, you know, don't look for it later, just put it out there and, you know, as an offering. Mm-hmm. And so she just, she did that. And so things start calming down. So there's, there's still a little bit of stuff in the house that shouldn't be there. So did a toll house cleansing and, um, Came outside and did a cleansing around the house, and so it kind of set up some wards there to keep things, not keep people, things out, but just make sure only good things got in. And so I do, a, at the very end of this thing, I do a, a drumming and singing and thanking the spirits, and, you know, please accept our, your neighbors here. They're good people. They didn't know. And everything felt hunky-dory, so I do this big flourish with my drum, mm-hmm. lift my arms in the air, and I said, it is done. And I stepped back in a big pile of dog crap. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it worked. I, you know, they, they were, everything was fine. Um, but that's it's one of my favorite stories because of what, you know, it kind of shows what I enjoy doing. What I think I'm one of the things I should be doing is, is remediation between spirits and the people who live in the houses when the land that the, that the spirits used to live on. Uh-huh. And so I've done quite a few of those. But stepping in the dog shit after that big announcement, yeah. so I quit doing the, the big flourish at the end. And so that was kind of a lesson right there. I was like, okay, show off. Don't be going too far with this. <laughs> Do you think we're any closer to finding out what the truth is? When no. it comes to the paranormal and uh, spirits, ghosts, things that go bump I, the night? I don't think so. I'm not sure I want that myself, personally. Um, you know, I'm different than a lot of investigators. A lot of, a lot of investigators are looking mm-hmm. for evidence and all this other stuff. I looking don't, for answers, yeah. I, uh, you know, I just, I don't, that's not my job. My job is to work with the spirits and the people. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I'm cool with people doing that. I have fun with them, but that's, that's. You know, if I can help them capture mm-hmm. stuff, that's great. That's that's, I'm all good with that. How can but, somebody um, listening tonight know the difference between someone that is legitimate and not one of these internet yahoos? Usually, it's how they. One thing is how they, how much they charge you. Um, it's I don't mind people charging a fair rate, whatever that. I mean, this is what I this is what I charge Rob. I charge gas money. Mm-hmm do this stuff because it's under the under this spiritual work if somebody's got a negative spirit in their house that's that's a spiritual thing to me i don't come with the cameras and the evps and things Mm -hmm. like that i come to help the family and to i teach them if they're if they need to cleanse the house i do it but i teach them how to do it do you do windows do it again do you do windows Uh, i'm sorry i said do you do windows well, you said you cleanse the house, so I just asked if you windows. <laughs> no, I don't do windows. Okay. <laughs> no gutters either. You just walk um, into dog crap. Yeah, that's right. I, I'll pick up your dog. Crap Here, here's something my, I've got to ask shoes. you. I've got to ask you about that story. Did these people have a dog? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, big old dog. Right, I just thought maybe a big were, pile of crap too. Right, I was big, just wondering maybe it was spiritually induced. You know. Yeah, my my son still laughs about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey! listen, Chris, the time is coming when you and I must say so long for tonight. I'll let our listeners know where they can find more out about you. Well, as you so kindly told everybody, they are, my website is www.coyotechris.com. Mm-hmm. Facebook is Coyote Chris Sutton is my like personality page, whatever the hell you call that. Right. Um, Christopher Sutton is my um, is my regular Facebook page. On Twitter, it's at Coyote Chris S. Also on Instagram at Coyote Chris S. At the end of Towards the holiday season, I have a book coming out. It's called. It's going to be called Shock and Awe, the 
paranormal uh, well, I'm sorry, the spiritual journey of Carly Chris Sutton. That's being um, published by Haunted Road Media, and that will be out. It'll be on Kindle and all sorts of neat places. So if you follow me on any of these other things, that will certainly be announced, and you can catch it out. If also, you go to my website. You, I've got a CD of drumming songs. And yeah, singing. I hate to do this, but the time is up, Chris. I want to thank you so much for joining us. And Nation, as Chris uh, has said, if you'd like to find out more about him, as well as his book and his CD, please go to his website at www.coyotechris.com. Dot com. Now, I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue investigating the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, for all of you who still love the Christmas spirit and who have little ones who'd like to write a letter to Santa Claus, visit our sister station at www.cbrtv.net. Christmas music, 724, letters to Santa Claus, coloring books, and a whole other realm with our compliments. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Don't go away. 